Hey y'all, Eve's here. We're doubling up today with two events in history. One from me and one from former host Tracy V. Wilson. On with the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson, and it's August 16th. On this day in 1858, the first messages were sent along the first transatlantic telegraph cable. So you're listening to a podcast. That means you can probably talk to people in a lot of the world instantly. But it really wasn't all that long ago that getting a message from one side of the Atlantic to the other required you to put somebody on a boat with a letter in their hand, or maybe telling somebody, just hoping they would remember it by the time they got to the other side of the ocean. And then getting to the point of even thinking about transmitting a message along some kind of a wire across the ocean, that required somebody to invent a communication system that would work that way. The man that gets a lot of credit for that is Samuel F.B. Morse, In 1829, he was on his way back from a trip to Europe where he had gone to try to recover from the deaths of his parents and his wife. And he struck up a conversation with Charles Thomas Jackson in which they talked about ideas for transmitting messages along a cable using an electrical current. Based on the work of other inventors, once he got home, Morse and his partner Alfred Vail worked up a prototype for a telegraph machine and the system of communication that it would use, which was, of course, later known as Morse code. There were tens of thousands of miles of telegraph lines all across North America and Europe before people ever started talking about running one across the ocean. Financier Cyrus Westfield was the driving force behind this in the United States. Starting in 1854, he started the New York, Newfoundland, and London Telegraph Company, and it took six months just to make the cable. This cable was huge. A mile of it weighed about a ton, and it was divided up between two ships, which left the coast of Ireland together in 1857. And the idea was that one ship, which was the Niagara, would lay down its line of cable, and when it ran out, the HMS Agamemnon would connect the end of its cable to the other end of the one from the Niagara and then finish the rest of the way. Things went pretty well with this plan for about six days, and then the cable snapped, and both ships had to go back to port, and they had to make more than 400 miles of new cable to make up for what had been been lost. When they tried again, they tried a different approach. Both ships started in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, connected their cables, and started in the opposite directions. That did not work. The cable broke almost immediately. They tried again. Again, the cable snapped. They kept on going, over and over. And after so many failures, finally four ships met in the middle of the Atlantic on July 29th of 1858. Two of the ships headed in each direction. And finally, nothing broke. All the ships got to where they were going. The line was complete on August 5th. And on the 16th of August, the first message went along it. Here's what it said, quote, Directors of Atlantic Telegraph Company, Great Britain, to directors in America. Europe and America are united by telegraph. Glory to God in the highest on earth peace and goodwill toward men. The next day, Queen Victoria and President James Buchanan traded their own very long-winded telegraph messages. It was none of this arrived, stop, safe, stop. It went on and on. It took 17 minutes to transmit. But this was really a temporary victory. The cable wasn't strong enough. 
Operators on both ends were trying to figure out how to use the right voltage without having a good way to talk to each other about what they were doing in real time. And for a time, that voltage was way too high and stressed the cable. It stopped working on September 18th of 1858 after it had successfully carried about 400 messages. But this is really a story of try, try again. More cables followed, including better and faster ones, and then other methods of communication. But this is really the start of a global communication network. You can learn more about the first transatlantic telegraph cable on the November 9th, 2016 episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class. Thanks to Tari Harrison for her audio skills on these episodes. You can subscribe to This Day in History Class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Tomorrow, we're going to get into a huge miscarriage of justice. Hi, I'm Eves. Welcome to This Day in History Class, a show that reveals a little bit more about history day by day. The day was August 16, 1927. A flying competition organized by James D. Dole, founder of the Hawaiian Pineapple Company, began. Pilots entered the competition in the hopes of winning the prize money and a little fame. But the Dole Air Race, as it was known, began and ended in tragedy. The 1920s were still the early days of airplane aviation. Navigation was rudimentary and safety standards were nowhere near where they are today. People had already completed non-stop cross-ocean flights. In May of 1927, just three months before the Dole Air Race, Charles Lindbergh took the first solo non-stop transatlantic flight from New York to Paris. Driven by Lindbergh's accomplishment, James D. Dole set up an air race for pilots to fly from Oakland, California to Honolulu, Hawaii. He offered $25,000 to the pilot who made it there first and $10,000 to the person who came in second place. Not long after Dole offered the prizes for the trip, two Army pilots successfully flew from Oakland to Oahu. But Dole's prize for making the trip from Oakland to Honolulu still stood. 33 people entered the competition, and 14 entrants were chosen for starting positions after inspections. The competition, though, was off to a bad start even before the air race was scheduled to take place. Lieutenants George Walter Daniel Coville and Richard Stokely Wagner left North Island Naval Air Station in San Diego on August 10th, headed for Oakland Field. Less than 15 minutes later, they ran into heavy fog and crashed into cliffs. Both of the officers died. British aviator Arthur Vickers was out for a test flight when his plane crashed not long after takeoff from Montebello, California on August 11th. Another airplane, called Miss Doran, had to make an emergency landing after having engine trouble. And the Pride of Los Angeles, on his way to Oakland, crashed into the San Francisco Bay. The people in those two airplanes were not hurt. By August 16th, eight planes and 15 competitors were left in the running. That morning, they all lined up ready for takeoff in front of a crowd of around 100,000 people. Their starting positions were selected by a random draw. 
The Oklahoma was the first plane to take off, but it soon had engine trouble and its flight had to be aborted. El Encanto did not even make it to takeoff. The PAPCO flyer crashed on takeoff after lifting into the air briefly, only to crash again after a second attempt. Nobody on board these planes were hurt. The Golden Eagle took off without issue. The airplane Miss Doran took off, returned after engine trouble, and later took off again successfully. Dallas Spirit, carrying pilot William Portwood Irwin and navigator Alvin Hanford Eichwalt, took off but returned to Oakland soon after. The planes Aloha and Woolarock took off without a hitch. Only two planes made it to Hawaii, Aloha and Woolarock. Woolarock arrived after a 26-hour and 17-minute flight, and Aloha made it after 28 hours and 16 minutes. The other two that took off successfully, Golden Eagle and Miss Doran, disappeared, and their crew were never found. Irwin and Eichwalt repaired their plane, Dallas Spirit, and went to assist in the search for the disappeared planes. They also disappeared and were never heard from again. Four competitors had completed the race, but 10 people had died. The first Trans-Pacific flight was completed in 1928, and Clyde Pangborn and Hugh Herndon flew the first non-stop Trans-Pacific flight in 1931. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us at T-D-I-H-C Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Tune in tomorrow for another day in history. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.